Hello, good listener. Before we dive into our brand new episode, I have an announcement. Dun, 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 dun. I wrote a novel. Yes, it's true. I wrote a novel. It's called Drown Town. It is a cozy mystery. It's got a murder. It's got some humor. And it's got a very unique dead dog narrator. I think you'll enjoy it. I spent a lot of time working on it. And I love your support. You can pre-order it right now on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. It's available as both an ebook. It'll go right to your Kindle or tablet or a paperback. It'll come right to your mailbox. I would love your support. If you'd like to pre-order it now, visit Amazon.com and or BarnesandNoble.com. Look up Drown Town, a dog walking detective's mystery. Just put in Drown Town, Steve Silverman, and it will pop up. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed writing it. And we'll be hearing a lot more about it in the weeks to come. Thank you for your support as always. And now here comes our brand new good episode. My dream always was to give back these years of radio experience to the next generation. This workshop is geared toward underrepresented, underprivileged, under underrepresented voices in social and in public media. And so the hope is that kids coming up who want to learn the craft, who want to learn how to build a show, who wanted to learn what kind of mic to use, how to edit, how to get good guests, how to do the basic interview. Um, they come to the boot camp, they learn, they go off and fly free, and then they come back and say, look what I built, Auntie Angelique. <laughs> Hi, I'm Angelique Perrin, and you're entering A World Gone Good, Season 4. Well, hello, my name is Steve, and you've wisely decided to spend some good time here with us at World Gone Good, the podcast where we interact with everyday people, making good happen each and every day. Are you a good person? Are you? Of course you are. And that's why you deserve bonus good in the form of our Patreon page. Yes, yes, you deserve an extra jolt of good times. Go visit patreon.com slash worldgonegood. For less than $4 a month, I am talking $3.99 a month, you get all this exclusive good stuff, and you help us pay the bills and keep the world gone good a-spinning. That's patreon.com slash worldgonegood. You should definitely check it out. And for doing so, as always, we say thank you. Today, we are going a little bit meta by focusing in on podcasting, the good of it, and the good that comes from it. Do you have a favorite podcast besides this one? I have so many favorites that I follow, and I get all excited when I get that little pop-up message on my phone that says, there's a new episode of one of them that's landed today. I said it on here so many times. I love the connectivity, the feeling of connection that I get when I listen to my favorite podcasts. And I can tell you from making one myself of these them, there, here things, it's a great time, but it's a lot of work. Angelique Perrin knows what I'm talking about. She uses her voice to not just make a living, but also to inspire and educate the next generation of creative artists. She 
came up with the Podcast Bootcamp, which is sponsored by KCRW Radio in Los Angeles, where she assembles a group of longtime radio and podcasting professionals to share their years of experience with the talent of tomorrow. Now, Angelique says she didn't have a pandemic baby creatively, creative baby, creative baby we're talking about, and she doesn't feel she has a legacy to share. But we're going to unpack those items and prove in the best way possible her wrong. Here comes Angelique from the podcast bootcamp sharing her good journey. Angelique Perrin, let's start here. How fucking great is your name? <laughs> Do you like your name? I love my name. I think that's why I haven't gotten married, because I, I can't part with the name. But you're old enough to know who I'm named after, probably just barely old enough to know who I'm named after. Angelique Perrin, Ange- who are you named after? The... um. Vampire Witch on Dark Shadows. Oh my God. Are you really? I am old enough yeah. to know that. Well, you said An- yeah. I got stuck on Angeline, but that's a whole other story. Holy shit. Was your were your parents fans of that show? Well, you know, it was a late uh, I guess daytime or late night soap opera that my mom watched and she loved the name. And so she named me that. And had I had a brother, my brother's name would have been Quentin who was also in Dark Shadow. Yeah, or Barnabas would have been a great name. Barnabas. Barnabas. Yeah. Kate Jackson started on that show. She played a ghost. Oh, really? Yeah, she, wow. was, a, she was like a ghost child. It's one of her first roles. I oh. probably saw that episode. I went back years later when they released the comedic movie Dark Shadows, um, and I went back and watched a lot of the episodes. It doesn't hold up very well, but it was interesting. I imagine it was very interesting for the time as well. It's on um, Amazon now or something because we started watching it. And it the first episode is up and it's like 22 minutes. It is slow, man. It is. Yeah. It is slow. It is like <laughs> <laughs> there not much happens for a long time. But but Steve, that's the nature of soaps in general. I always tell the story about um I was a channel, an ABC Same. soap watcher. So all my children, one life to live, general hospital. But I had a friend who watched the CBS stuff, and I don't know which one it was, but I watched one year with him, not the full year, just an episode. And then a year later, the conflict that had happened a year ago was finally getting resolved. So I literally didn't miss a GD thing <laughs> for that whole year. And then finally I turned on and like, oh, they're just resolving this. So, I mean, soaps move slowly. They want to hook you in and keep you attached to the gossip and the the salaciousness of it all. Well, I should say what's left of soap operas anyway. Uh, I had Marianne Alda on the show. She was on Edge of Night. Oh, wow. Yeah, she played Dee Dee. She was like a black uh, district attorney, and she was like one of the only black characters on the show during the 80s. And I had her on the show on here like two years ago. Really, really cool. Now, let's never mind about all that. Who cares about all that? No. Um, where did you and I meet? 
We met because I decided to take a promo uh, voiceover workshop. That's right. Yeah. And I was uh, invited for, I think, the third or fourth time to come and like sort of, I don't want to say teach it because I didn't really teach anything. More like provide feedback, mentor. Uh. He did teach. <laughs> what I all right? What was the best thing I said all night? Oh, the best thing I said was, "Thank you, everyone." My Zoom kept dropping out. That was the best thing that happened. <laughs> um, I think the best thing you probably said was talking about the way we could color our auditions and how difficult the short ones are. You think that if it's just a few lines that it's going to be easy, but apparently the less material you have to work with, the harder it is. So how do you cut through? Where do you find your inspiration when you are doing voiceover? The best thing that you're supposed to do is picture the person, a person that you're talking to and put yourself in an arena that perhaps this character wouldn't find himself in to make yourself sound different. I like that. So if it's a gloomy and sad piece of copy. You definitely want to play it gloomy and sad, but what would happen if you were thinking about your four-year-old nephew while saying this? What color, what tinge does it, does it give your sound a bit of optimism? Is there a shadow of hope underneath that despair that makes you cut through? I don't know. Maybe. So there's some acting going on then. Yeah, there's got to be acting. I I would like to think that I could just book a job with my natural voice, but that hasn't happened yet. (laughs) (laughs) I know because I do what's called the scratch track. I do the the temporary track. and, um, And I feel like in terms of a scratch track, I can nail a scratch track, but nobody would ever pay me to be that guy who's like, Buick has a whole new blah, blah, blah. You know, like, I can't do that. You need a much better voice than my voice. Mm, thank you. The The scratch track is hard, though, because once you hear it as a performer, there's a bit of copying that you try to do. Right. I think. So I don't care for the scratch tracks because they just distract me from what I might have done. Now, you have a whole background in radio. I do. I got discovered and put on the radio. How did that happen? I was one of those kids that swore I was going to get discovered. I mean, I wanted to be Shirley Temple Black, which, of course, the funny thing is that she later got married and her married name was Black, but I wanted to be like the Black Shirley Temple. I wanted to get discovered. I wanted somebody to put to frame me in a camera and go, she's perfect. And that is literally how I got discovered. It was my senior year of college, and um, I was a hostess at the airport Holiday Inn. You meet a lot of people there uh, who are just coming in and out of town. And this particular day, it's after the breakfast rush, and there were two guys sitting in the back of the restaurant, just whole places empty, and they're just back there running their mouths. And I bounce over, and I'm like, pardon me, would you care for another spot of tea? I mean, just a perfectly awful accent. And the guy goes, uh, frames me. And he goes, oh, my gosh, she's perfect. (laughs) 
And they said, we want to put you on the radio doing character voices. And so my senior year of college was spent with a radio, the morning radio personality in Greensboro, North Carolina on uh, 102 Jams coming to my dorm sliding scripts underneath my dorm room door for me to call the station at like five o'clock in the morning. And the character I did, she's so annoying. Her name was Monica and she was a stalker who would stalk the radio DJ at every party and every club that she went to, that he went to. And that's how I started in radio. That's like a Marilyn Monroe or or one of them like, you know, at Walgreens when it was sitting at the counter and got discovered. You got discovered pouring coffee. Yep. Yep. That's exactly how I got discovered. <laughs> I'm not rich though. I don't have a I don't have a legacy. Some would argue that I do have a legacy, but I don't have a you know, no one's gonna when I'm gone, hold a parade or anything. You don't know. There's for still all time. The work that I've done. There's yeah, still there time. Is still time. Thank you. <laughs> Did you? What were you studying in school? Um, I was at North Carolina School of the Arts, and I was studying drama. And then I left and went. Uh, well, I shouldn't say I left. I should say I wasn't invited back. Um. Because they said, listen to what they said. They said, you're a great performer, but we don't know if you're an actor or not. Oh, man. How did that feel? <laughs> um, well, I had already decided that I wasn't going to go back because I went. I did two years of regular undergrad. And then my third year, I went to the art school. But when you go to the art stu- school, it's like, starting all over. So I would have had to do like six years of undergrad, five years of undergrad or something like that for one stupid degree. And that made zero sense to me as a Capricorn. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'll just graduate on time and then go to um, graduate school in, um, in dramatic arts or something. That makes more sense. But they didn't want me anyway. So, and they were right in a way because what I went on to do was radio. What I went on to do is TV. What I went on to do was perform more so than act. Do you think that's because you wanted to keep a part of yourself in it? Because it's something that, like, I've seen so many different people from, you know, Carol Burnett, um, Nicole Byer even recently talked about this. of of being themselves and not being able to fully create a character, fully act like you're talking about. So did you see it as more of just trying to keep a piece of yourself in it? I think my fear then and now is vulnerability. As long as I have to dig deep inside to bring these characters out, there's this sense of vulnerability that I don't want to expose for fear that maybe I won't be able to wrangle it back in. And that's true, I feel like, of my acting and of my personal life as well. One of the reasons I know I don't do well, knock on wood, that's actually plastic, but that's okay, no one knows, (laughs) don't do well in relationships is because they require vulnerability that I'm not willing to give. I'm not willing to be so open that that 
person has power to destroy me, you know? It's like this thing where if I'm vulnerable, you could, mm, I don't know. So I think it has to do with my vulnerability more than, but I love characters. I do characters all the time. I do characters every day when my voiceover agent sends me a cartoon from Nickelodeon. But it doesn't require vulnerability. It just requires a voice and some some sense of who this character is. But there's something there and you're talking about because you're aware of it. Yeah, I'm in therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't we all, honey? (laughs) So when did you fall into the podcast world? Podcasting is just radio. It's just radio. So as far as I'm concerned, I've been in the podcasting business since before it was called podcasting. Before podcasting was a word, I was creating this content and streaming it on the web, uh, which would have been called a podcast probably five or six years before podcasting was coined. So I've been doing it all along just waiting for the audience to come. And the the audience finally came. And the funny thing is that the beauty of this time is that you don't need permission. And you got to understand, I was one of those kids. I'm calling myself a kid, even though I was 20 something. I was one of those kids that would come to the radio station and would just sleep there. I would find a place and I had a big fluffy, a big down coat that I would sleep under And I would find a place in the radio station and I would just go to sleep there and wake up in the morning and do my shift. That's how hardcore serious I was about radio. And so now that we're in a position that we don't need gatekeepers and we can just create our show, do you think I really have created anything on my own? No, (laughs) I'm creating stuff for other people. I'm helping other people with their project. I'm launching projects to, to inspire other people to create their own projects. But me, myself, I don't have a solo podcast. I know, shame on me. Well, if you did, what would it be? Well, that's part of the problem. I haven't come up with the idea for me yet. I haven't come up with the idea. All the ideas I've had, all the pages, I have a file, which I'm sure every creative person does, has a file of ideas, um, a thick file of ideas, and no podcast ideas. And the stuff that I would have done or would do or so overdone at this point that it would make no sense for me to do it. But yeah, I, I've I've been thinking about it, um, but not too hard. <laughs> you don't strain yourself. You know, I think though, because this this comes back to what you were just talking about too, is there's a connectivity with it. And 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 we were talking right before we started recording. I do this with everybody. I give you the ground rules. You know, we're gonna have a conversation. You know, this isn't 2020. There's no hard ass. You know, hard hitting questions here. I tell people you can curse all you want. Blah blah blah. But what I told you, which I told everybody, is it's the personal thing. That's what we're all longing for. It's the personal connection. I think that the divide that social media has caused over the last 10, 15 years, the celebritizing, I've talked about this on here too, of who we present ourselves as, has changed how we communicate as human beings. And it's so different. Like like right now, I feel like you and I are a coffee. 
You know what I mean? And we're just sitting by, you know, yeah. like, and I don't know you, you know, I mean, I don't know you well enough yet to ask for the kidney, but I'll be asking. Give me another week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but after I give you the kidney, are you going to run off? Are you going to divorce me? Are you going to do a um, Tracy Morgan or, or George I'm Lopez? I'm going to leave you in the bathtub with all the ice. You're going to be fine. No, but you know what I'm saying? I think that there's a connectivity that we're all longing for. And I think once you once you get into that, and that's what this show is about too, is, is it's what I wanted with this show is like, I never thought it was going to turn into what it was. It has turned into, but it's just still me doing it the same way I've done the whole time. And me doing all the, all the fucking work. I'm doing all of this. <laughs> I love it. I love that. That's the cool thing about podcasting. Now, let's get into this because this is one of the main reasons I asked you here. You created the podcast boot camp. Yes. Which it's sponsored by and held at the KCRW radio station. It's a project you helped develop and they're funding it. Tell everybody what that's about. Well, the hope is that I find people who have this great idea and don't know what to do with it, which there are a million people like that in the world. Um, My dream always was to give back these years of radio experience to the next generation. Um, This workshop is geared toward underrepresented, underprivileged, under underrepresented voices in social and in public media. And so the hope is that, Kids like me who don't know, I shouldn't call them kids, but at this point, if you're 23, you're a kid, damn it. (laughs) As far as I'm concerned, kids coming up who want to learn the craft, who want to learn how to build a show, who wanted to learn what kind of mic to use, how to edit, how to get good guests, how to do the basic interview. Um, They come to the boot camp, they learn they go off and fly free and then they come back and say, look what I built, Auntie Angelique. <laughs> are they showing up with ideas that they already have in mind or are they just coming completely like, hey, this sounds cool. I want to learn how to do this. Or is it both? It's both. Some people already have episodes out. Some people have ideas on paper. Some people are just like, I don't know. I just wanted to see what it was about. So it, it's a it's a mix of, of things. And a mix of ages and a mix of races is so nice to look in the room and see just every color of the spectrum and every age. One woman, a black woman, had to, she's on her cane and she's with her helper who drove her, but she had her idea and she was ready to go. So it, um, it really was a diverse crowd, which excited me because that's what it's about is bringing bringing the next generation of diverse voices into the conversation. How does the boot camp work? How many days is it? And is there a structure that you all have created that teaches it like a class? Is it hands-on? It's still in development because we are now in person. It changes things a lot. Isn't that crazy? Because back in the back in the pre days, the before days, everything was in person and had to be built on being in person. But initially, this was started during the pandemic. Everything was virtual. But what we did for the first boot camp, it was really just a crash course, a crash course in production, a crash course in distribution, in in um, hosting, 
in all of that. The second one that launches on October 21st is going to specifically be about developing your show. How do you come up with ideas? How do you come up with the show clock? How do you come up with features? How do you come up with the print art for, well, that's a different, that's a different episode. Um, But it's really just about formulating the show itself because it's one thing to have an idea. It's another thing to understand the formatics of it and to put it together in a way that's going to be attractive and enjoyable to the listener. Do you see yourself in any and all of these people? The crowd was so big, honestly, that I couldn't see myself in anything. But I tried to personally touch as many people as humanly possible. I tried to make every person that I came into contact with feel like they were my cousin, feel like I was their cheerleader and that I was rooting for them. When these people, you know, somebody may send me an email about a book or such and such being in town, can you book them, that sort of thing. And I'll get to it when I get to it. But when I see podcast boot camp, I'm on it immediately because I know this is the future. This is the next generation. This is where the ideas are going to come from. Um, And so I'm on those immediately. But it's more for me like I want to be the cheerleader. I want to be the big sister that's holding their hand and reminding them they can do it. The very first boot camp we did, like I said, was during the pandemic. It was a very small group of about 10 people. And I listened to every single one of their podcasts. I could tell you about everything they were doing right, everything they were doing wrong. Most of them I've kept in touch with, and I still listen to their work. And they can literally, only one does, call me whenever, but they can literally call or text me whenever about their podcast and they know I will respond or listen or help in whatever way I can. Like I said, only one of them does it, but (laughs) if all of them wanted to do it, I would respond because, you know, like I said, this is about building the future generation and, and what happens when I'm gone. I can't take this information with me. So here, take it, get it out of me. Here you go. What did KCRW say to this idea? Were they involved in the creation of this idea or did you bring it to them? I brought it to them and they said, great, I love it. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was at a time when the country was grappling with how do we be more inclusive? How do we, this is at the time when everybody's starting their diversity workshops from the ground up. And I'm like, look, if you want to reach people, if you want to find new ways of bringing in ears to this station, if you want to create a pool of talent to pull from, this is the way to do it. Because somewhere in that room, the last boot camp had about 77 people in it. Um, If you want to find the next host, the next host is in this room. The next board op is in this room. The next producer is in this room right now. Community-based, like we're talking about, we're talking about this earlier, connectivity we're talking about, people coming back together. What shift did you see, have you seen in your world from the dark depths that we were all in in the lockdown to now? Are people more open? 
Are people less open? Are people more greedy? Are people more selfish? What are you seeing? And I mean, I mean with their art, with their voice, with what they want. What are you seeing? I'm not sure. I think people are eager, very eager to get back out there and share their voices. I mean, not so much voices, but their art with the world. What I've seen with us is that the attendance at our events, the in-person events, have skyrocketed because people want to be near people. They want to engage. They want to dance together. They want to sing together. They want to drink together. They want to they want to interact again. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that feeling of being locked down and now being free has gone away. Now, when it comes to art, I think the art changed during the pandemic. When we interview artists now, all of them have a pandemic album. You know, the singers and and performing artists, they all have a pandemic play. They all have a thing that they wrote during the pandemic. Some of them got it out during the pandemic, but... um. I think the creative people were busy creating during that time and the rest of us were waiting to get out again so we could hug one another. I'm still a little skittish, you know, where I'm like, "Can I am I allowed to hug? Do, are you taking hugs right now?" <laughs> Can we still do that? Yeah, yeah. We watch movies all the time here me and my husband and we'll watch a party scene and it could be like, it could be the Poseidon adventure, right? The new year's Eve party. It could be like an old, really old movie or really. And the first thing I think is like, Oh, none of those people don't have any, shouldn't be so close together. Why aren't they wearing masks? Like I seriously start thinking that I'm like, Oh wait, that was filmed in 1974. I think we're okay then. (laughs) (laughs) But then you'll get trippy. You get trippy because you're like, Oh shit. They don't know what's coming. Never mind the big fucking wave. That's going to turn the boat over. You're going to be in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> the pandemic 50 years from now is the least of their troubles. <laughs> right, right, right at the moment, at the moment. But guess what's coming? But I think that's true what you're talking about because I have seen some of the best art work. I've heard some of the best music. I've heard seen some of the best plays after everybody went through this because I really feel that what the lockdown did is put ourselves in our own faces and made us listen to our own voices. And that's why what I think you're doing is so powerful in that you're taking that to the next level. Well, this was birthed during the pandemic, actually. So maybe this is my pandemic, baby. Maybe. Hmm. You know, I I sat around during the pandemic mad because all of my I work at KCRW. I'm a producer for a press play with Madeline Brand that comes on at noon on KCRW 89.9. Um not a plug. And I was mad because we were busting our butts to get the information out to people. We were I mean, you have not seen such intense newsroom work to make sure everybody knew what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and keep everybody educated and try to keep them entertained because it was such a dark period. I'm like, let's come up every week with a comedian to take some of the pressure off. You know, we were just trying to 
save the world in our own little way. And I was mad because I'm like, all of my artistic friends are off writing their screenplays. They're off creating ballets. They're off being brilliant. And I'm stuck here in this newsroom turning out news. Uh, But I guess now I'm going to reframe it. I have my own pandemic baby. It's a podcast boot camp. Yeah, but also what you were doing at that time was exceptionally important because you were keeping the voices alive in that time through KCRW, through the show you do, and putting out the news, whatever form it was in, was that connectivity that we needed at that minute, you know, at that time. And um, it was so important. It was so important. And I was proud. I don't know that I was proud of myself so much, but I was proud of our team because none of us had meltdowns. I mean, every single day we had the negative news. There was no good news um, during the pandemic. We had to search and hunt. And the fact that none of us, you know, lost our way or went to someplace dark and despair, the fact that we made it out is a miracle because it was tough. It was tough. We knew a lot of information um, and none of it was good. None of it was good. And think of all of that going out to the people who are feeling all the things you were just saying so that that was incredibly important. I mean, that's how this sh- this show was birthed because I was just I couldn't take it anymore. I could not take it anymore. It was we were already in such a dark dark time and the chaos, the constant chaos of the last um administration um whether you think that was good or bad, it was constant upheaval, constant disruption, constant um, shake it up, shake it up, shake it up. And then, I mean, all these people getting sick and, and just the fear of like, this is how we go out after all this, this is how we're going to end. And I was like, Nope, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. I don't know what it is, but here we are. And this is what I did. Nice. So your pandemic baby, this is definitely my pandemic baby. Not a question. Not not even a question. And I was a little bit of a pandemic baby because I had many a moment sitting in the corner, crying my eyes out, going, make it stop. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't see anybody that didn't have those moments. Yeah. Maybe it was drinking. Maybe it was smoking. Maybe it was whatever. But those were some tough times. I'm an introvert. And so... Staying in the house for days at a time, I was like, yeah, now you guys know how I feel. I'm fine. I'm good. Uh, So that part of it wasn't difficult for me. But knowing that people were dying and knowing that feeling that there was no hope was just a lot, you know. But everything else, staying in the house was like, whoo, yeah. I'm the same. (laughs) I'm an extroverted introvert. I'm I'm a writer, so I'm happy. Nothing makes me happier than suddenly going, why am I starving and, and, and lightheaded? Oh, because it's six hours later and I've been writing at the computer for the entire time. I should probably get up and move. Nice. Where do people find the podcast boot camp, more information, and, and find out if they want to get involved? If they want more information, they can go to podcastbootcamp at kcrw.org. Podcast Bootcamp at kcrw.org. And the next one is being held on the 21st? 
Yes, 11 to 3, October 21st. Where? At KCRW, which is in Santa Monica. We close these shows with three questions. Don't panic. You know the answers. Question number one, where do people find you, Angelique Perrin, online and follow you? At Angelique Perrin Picks, P-I-X, on Instagram and Facebook. The last two questions go back to anything we've already said or anything you want to say. Question number one is this, who inspires you? Oh, wow. I think my friend Lonnie Love inspires me. She started out as an engineer for like Ford or GM or something like that. And now she's a comedian. She was hosting her own talk show. She's got a new show um, that's coming out soon. And so she inspires me because it just lets you know that anybody can do it. You know, you don't have to know somebody. You don't have to blow somebody. You just have to remain committed, get a good team beside you, behind you, and go for your dreams, you know? Don't be scared. And the final question is not a question at all. It's a statement to finish. Please don't sing it because I can't afford Chaka Khan or Rufus. Here it comes. Finish the statement. Tell me something good. What's good is that the pandemic is over. We have the opportunity to hug again, to hold hands again, to be back with one another again. Let's take advantage of it. Let's take advantage of life. If we didn't learn anything from being shut down for daggone near two years, two and a half years, it should be the connectedness, the humanity, the love of mankind, because During that time, we were all in the same place. No matter how much money you had, no matter how little money you had, no matter where you slept or didn't sleep, who you slept with, we were all scared. So let's remember those days. Let's connect and stay connected and be one human race. Thank you, Angelique, for sharing your good. Who's going to be the first one listening to start your own podcast? Next time on World Gone Good. I really wish that more people found a pastime that they enjoyed. Because I think that especially, you know, in adulthood, people get married, they have kids, and those pastimes are like, kind of like fall by the wayside. And, and I, I really encourage people to reconsider that because you'll always have a path out of darkness if you do that. The rug that was Julie McGuire's life got pulled out from under her. So she got up and now she didn't just start walking forward. She put on some skis and she started skiing forward. We have had a lot of inspiring guests on this here good show and Julie Julie's going to be one of the ones at the top for every person out there who has wondered or is wondering right now, is this my life? Is this all it's going to be? My good guest, Julie's inspiring and uplifting story is for you, just for you. I can't wait for you to hear it. Until then, be good. Be good.